The Old Pilot's Plain Tales Brothers in Arms When I came across this story, the first thing that attracted me wasn't just the story itself, but that one of the pilots flew in my squadron. Not really mine, of course, but in my mind, 43 Squadron and those who flew with the fighting cocks emblazoned on their tails are all part of my family, whether I know them or not. I think we all understand the comfort and support we get from our family, but for those of us lucky enough to serve, there's something else, a very special connection that we make to our brothers in arms. The bond created between those who serve together, sharing the same foxhole, the same ship, the same unit, the same battle, the same aircraft, the same dangers and the like can be stronger than anything we might experience. It leads to amazing stories of bravery and sacrifice, often not made for our country, but more usually for the man beside us. Imagine then the bonds that must exist between siblings fighting together in a war. Brothers in the same family and brothers in the same war, the same battle, the same air force. So it was for two sons of an accountant working in Karachi who ended up fighting together. When the boys were young, their mother sadly passed away. The family moved to Farnborough, where the boys finished school and took up a rather uninspiring series of jobs but they were known as rambunctious lads, popular with the girls and keen to thrash about on their motorbikes. Of course, no youngsters could grow up around Farnborough without enjoying the sights of the aircraft flying in and out of the famous Royal Aircraft Establishment where the RAF tested and developed its flying machines. Patrick Wood Scowan, the eldest, was the first to make the move into the Royal Air Force. He trained at Presswick on the Tiger Moth before moving on to more high-performance machines like the Hawker Hart and Fury. His younger brother's ambitions were delayed by tuberculosis, which led to ocular morbidity, but eventually his eyesight recovered sufficient for him to attempt to join as well. It was rumoured that Tony only passed his medical by memorising the eye chart. Whilst Pratchett was earning his wings, Tony was being trained at a civilian flying school that prepared pilots for entry to the RAF. He managed to get through partly by having prescription lenses built into his flying goggles. I should at this time mention the lovely Una Lawrence, a girlfriend to both brothers. Una had known the lad since they were teenagers, but she wouldn't commit to either, despite both of them being desperately in love with her. One thing the brothers never did, though, was to fall out over her. Both boys seemed destined to become fighter pilots, and both would end up flying hurricanes. When Patrick finished his training, he was posted to 85 Squadron, and four months later, Tony was sent to 43 Squadron, the Fighting Cox, flying out of RAF Tangmere. On 43, 
Tony soon earned himself the nickname Wombat after the beady-eyed marsupial, but despite his obviously poor eyesight, his skills and likability were obviously great. On 85 Squadron, Patrick was soon being called Woody. With their combined love of Una, they kept in touch with her, lovingly calling her Bunny. Woody endured a cold winter in France, but during some leave he came back to Farnborough and, with Bunny, they drove down to Tangmere to visit Tony. Despite the triangular nature of their relationship, they all got on famously, and both men carried Bunny's photo with a half-promise to marry. Finally, the phony war came to an end as the German Blitzkrieg hammered down onto France. 85 Squadron accounted for more than 90 enemy aircraft, but had been decimated in turn. Woody had four BF-109s and an HS-126 to his name, plus a share in a DO-17 and JU-88. However, he was also shot down himself, surviving uninjured despite being fired at by the nervous French troops. With the overrun of their airfield imminent, they were deployed back to England, but during the scramble to withdraw they lost their CO, who had only been with them for two days. Meanwhile, under the leadership of Peter Townsend, DSO, DFC and Bar, 43 Squadron were fighting in the skies over Dunkirk as the British Expeditionary Force desperately tried to escape the German advance. On that first day of the Battle of Dunkirk, Wombat was mixing it with BF-109s and ME-110s. He scored a couple of probables when he was hit by cannon fire from behind. His aircraft burst into flames and he hit the silk, landing near Le Treport. His comrades said of him, he was as brave as a lion and blind as a bat. This was the second time he had been shot down, and with his parachute in his arms he trudged 20 miles through enemy-occupied territory until he managed to hook up with the pilots of 73 Squadron and hitch a ride home. Arriving in the mess at Tangmere, after being missing for a week, he still had his parachute. Apparently, he knew it worked and wanted to hang on to it. After the disaster of Dunkirk, the British forces regrouped for what was sure to be an invasion. Winston Churchill stirred the hearts of his people with his famous We shall fight them on the beaches speech. The Battle of France was over. The Battle of Britain was about to begin. On June the 25th, when the London Gazette came out, Woody learned that he had been awarded the Distinguished Flying Cross. The citation read, During May 1940, this officer destroyed six enemy aircraft and assisted in the destruction of others. On one occasion, although heavily outnumbered, he attacked without hesitation a large formation of enemy aircraft, shooting down two of them. His own aircraft was hit by cannon shells and he was slightly wounded but succeeded in escaping by parachute and rejoined his unit. He has displayed great courage, endurance and leadership. The Battle of Britain began in early July 1940, 
Woody was the first to claim a kill, a DO-17 over the sea, but both brothers were in the thick of it. The fighting cocks were scrambled to meet a force of 80 Stuka dive bombers defended by nearly 70 fighters. In the melee, Wombat shot down a BF-110 and the three Stukas that he engaged, which went down smoking, were probables. He was forced to disengage when attacked himself, landing his severely damaged aircraft with shell fragments in his legs. The boys continued to meet Bunny, and like his brother, Wombat asked her to marry him. Back on the squadron, with their girl still undecided, Tony shot down two JU-88s, two Stukas and an HE-111. His kills were confirmed by his squadron mates, which was a good job, as he was having trouble telling the Junkers and Heinkel aircraft apart. His eyesight undoubtedly accounted for his trouble in staying out of harm's way, and he was again badly damaged, crash landing near Midhurst. He got a lift back to his unit and was back in combat that afternoon. Again and again the boys were scrambled as the intense Luftwaffe attacks continued. Wombat tore into a formation of escorted bombers, intent on attacking his own airfield. After shooting down two Stukas, he was attacked by four ME-109s and his engine was damaged. He crash-landed on the Isle of Wight, losing a few teeth when his face slammed into the instrument panel, but he still managed to get the ferry that day to rejoin his squadron. Now it was his turn to be decorated, and, like his brother, he was awarded the DFC. Perhaps, though, his greatest award was to finally win Bunny's heart, and she agreed to marry him. Woody took the news stoically and took his frustrations out on the enemy. In the last three days of August, he was engaged in multiple attacks, mainly with BF-109 fighters. On one day he claimed three, bringing his personal total to thirteen. However, things were not to last. On the 1st of September 1940, 85 squadrons scrambled from Croydon to attack a large bombing raid. In the ensuing dogfight, the squadron lost five out of eleven aircraft, the last being Flying Officer Patrick Woody Woodscullen. When his aircraft was found, the cockpit was empty, so a search was started to try and find the pilot. Unsure of his brother's fate, Tony fired up the Merlin engine of his hurricane as he was scrambled yet again. Intercepting a gaggle of bombers, Wombat was hit and his aircraft caught fire. Unable to get his aircraft on the ground quickly enough, he jumped but witnesses said that, being so low, his parachute failed to open and he fell to his death. That night, still reeling from the news that his eldest son was missing in action, the boy's father learned the fate of his youngest son. The funeral was held three days later, and the very next day Patrick's body was found in an overgrown garden in London. No one had witnessed his fall, but his parachute had also failed to open. In the end, Una Lawrence lost both her boys, her two best friends, in less than 24 hours, and could marry neither. 
Next summer, she accompanied Mr. Woodscowan and the boy's cousin, now also a fighter pilot flying Spitfires, to Buckingham Palace. Here, the DFCs for Tony and Patrick were presented to the still grieving father by none other than the king. Four months after the presentation, cousin Gerald was himself shot down and killed off the coast of Holland. Thank you.